0: Welcome to the Loki Podcast with John Ball from Present Influence. This week on the Loki Podcast, I'm very happy to be joined by a fellow presenter and public speaking trainer all the way from Boston. Please welcome to the show, uh, Kit Pang. Hi, Kit. Welcome to the Loki Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am super excited. I'm really, glad to have you here as well. Now, Kit, you you pushed me to having my very first, uh, my very first Facebook live session the other day, and it was it was quite the ride. You asked some great questions.
1: Yeah. How How did it feel for the first uh, Facebook live for you?
0: It was great. It felt it felt like it's something that I want to do again. So uh, I I've signed up for uh, signed up for the service that you used and uh, going to give it a try myself. So oh, thank awesome! You for Good that. to hear. Yeah, really cool. Um, Kit is the founder of Boston Speaks. That's a public speaker. He's a public speaking coach at Harvard Business School, who has worked with speakers, in, ranging from NFL players and three-star Michelin chefs to Fortune 500 CEOs and TEDx speakers. He's on a mission to help people, help individuals become exceptional speakers and communicators. Kit's seminars have been created, accredited as super fun, engaging, soul-searching, and insightful. And his happy clients include. Organizations such as Dell, Delta, Remax, Harvard, and MIT. That's a pretty impressive list. Kit is a serious fitness enthusiast participating in CrossFit, hot yoga, and a weekly marathon on Netflix. Kit, that's uh, quite the resume, and uh, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. And uh, we had the opportunity to have a bit of a chat about what we were going to talk about today, which is where you sprung the live session on me, which was really exciting. And uh, one of the things we wanted to crack straight into, first of all, let, I'll give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and add anything to your introduction and maybe tell us a bit about your journey into public speaking and presentation coaching.
1: Oh, yeah. I think one of the most excited things I I, I like to talk about when people read my bio is the last part. The Netflix show I'm currently watching is Vampire Diaries. So if anyone is watching that, uh, we can always talk about it. But other than that, I usually like to get uh, very personal. I I used to actually be uh, something that's not on the bio. I actually used to be a hip hop street performer. And I used to street perform out in downtown Boston that did hip, hip hop dancing for a while. And when I first began my public speaking journey, I was actually a little bit afraid to talk about hip hop dancing in front of a a professional crowd because I didn't know how to use my story of hip hop dancing. But one day I said, hey, I'm just going to try it. Let people know that I used to be a hip hop dancer. And when I said that, I can almost immediately see people's eyes as open up and they got more in tune with everything that I was saying too, with everything that I tied into. So my public speaking journey taught me a lot about knowing how to use my own personal experience. Whether you are a business professional doing updates to your board, to executives, to a weekly meeting, don't be afraid to throw in something personal that gets back to the point that you're trying to get across
0: yeah I like it i not that long ago, I think probably last autumn met a guy from my business network who uh he introduces himself as being a failed rock star and I, and I really loved that. It really grabs the attention and I can imagine the uh, hip hop dancer stuff would certainly do the same as well. so having something like that great talk about yourself and talk about something that 's interesting that people might even have questions about and undoubtedly will. So your path uh, led you to becoming a public speaker and trainer. How long have you been doing that for? And what have been perhaps some of the highs and lows for you?
1: I've been doing that for three years. But actually, John, I want to get into this a little bit later. I want to, to ask you, what's one thing that you don't think your audience knows about you? But maybe think about that as i would uh, <laughs> okay, interesting too. Uh I, I, I've been doing it for three years, and I think one of the best things that helped me, propelled me as a speaker trainer, it there, there was something that I picked up a long time ago. Uh, I think a lot of people feel the imposter syndrome. It's like, oh, if you're not the, the, the best expert in the world, how can you help someone? Uh, and then I forgot where, where I heard this. A, a fifth grader is an expert to the third grader. And sometimes even a college student, you're too far away removed to really help the people that you really try to help. So uh, as a speaker trainer, I always just try to be a few steps ahead of the person that I'm trying to help, not be too far away because I won't be able to connect anymore Mm. in their world. Yeah, yeah.
0: Interesting. Good. Well, I I had a quick think about what don't my audience know about me? And not all my audience know that I was a flight attendant for for 12 years. Oh. And uh, and not all my audience know, in fact, very few people know that I, I once auditioned for the, the Apprentice in the UK, not the Trump one, the Sarah <laughs> Alan yeah. Sugar one. I didn't get in though. Oh, got it. How was the experience though? It yeah. was really interesting. It was really interesting to see behind the scenes and very much got a sense of the kind of people they wanted. And, and I don't really think it was so much business headed people that they were looking for. They they wanted uh, they wanted drama as far as I could tell they wanted people who uh, were going to uh, make, it's a TV show yeah maybe be a bit competitive yeah they wanted uh, they wanted TV entertainment and and I think maybe I'm a bit too mob mannered for all that kind of thing <laughs> uh, different TV shows look for different stuff I guess yeah but I, I thoroughly enjoyed the experience and I met some really cool people at the, at the audition as well so I highly recommend just going for that stuff even if you don't want to do it it's uh, great experiences.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, one thing that we we discussed uh, that we wanted to bring up today on, on our chat was about influence and persuasion and that you have some interesting takes and, and ideas about that as well. So let's, let's get into that a bit about what influence means to you and what are the perhaps, tools of influence that you most recommend to people or teach in your own coaching practice?
1: I first want to ask the question of, actually to you and to your audience, and I, I want to hear your response as well. What do you think is the difference between persuasion and influence?
0: I tend to think that influence is more of a, a guiding, it's maybe gentle. Persuasion I see it's perhaps being a bit more uh, forceful, and uh, so persuasion perhaps more pushing someone towards something and influence is more pulling something pulling someone towards something. That's maybe how I would define it. I'm not sure if that's an accurate uh, description. How about you?
1: Yeah, I don't see persuasion as being pushy. I think I, this, this is the difference. I'll explain it a few different ways. Let's say your family member, this is over Christmas or, something, or when you see your family member, and they said, hey, John, I just got the newest iPhone, iPhone 11. Do you want my iPhone seven? Because I, I don't need it anymore. I have a new iPhone. Why would I need my old iPhone? And in and, and case, and you, and you might just want the iPhone seven. You might you might say, hey, I mean, yeah. I mean, if they got the new iPhone 11, why would they need the iPhone seven? And you might want to take it, right? Versus a stranger comes up to you and says, John, I have the iPhone 11. I don't need my iPhone seven anymore. Do you want my iPhone seven? Then you'll start thinking, well, what, what does this stranger? What? Why? Why do they want to give me that iPhone Seven? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so persuasion are the things that you're doing in the moment to try to convince someone of your ideas. Not saying that is bad. Not that. Not saying that is good. But what are you doing in the moment? Influence. Just like that example of family member and stranger. If someone has influence over you, it is you. You trust them. You respect them. And over time. This is why people have no bias with Morse, because after you buy something from someone you trust you're saying yeah I'll buy from them again because I like their branding so much they have that influence over you uh, it's so good that it's not a it's not a pushy thing some people who are great persuaders they might push you to buy something but afterwards you might, you might think about it twice and be like hmm they did really good persuading me but now I kind of feel icky about it. So, mm. uh, other people also describe it this way. I forgot where I heard this from, but they said, uh, like playing the piano, while you're playing the piano, that's persuasion. But the 10 years you took learning how to play the piano, that's influence. Mm. So influence is kind of a, a way of being is how you're living is your brand. Uh, action speaks louder than words. It's, it's that while persuasion is in the moment, what are we doing with our body language, the things that we're saying? But again, influence is the bigger thing. Persuasion is what's happening right.
0: in the moment. I would maybe see that as being influenced there as being the context and persuasion as being the object within the context. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, influence is more like the... Um, the environment that has been built up, such as trust, which is a big part of that, whereas the persuasion perhaps is more the direct convincing, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, And this is when we go into, oh, well, now people will then ask, well, we split out persuasion and influence. How do we build influence versus how do we build persuasion, right? Now it's its own separate uh, topic. So when we talk about... Uh, persuasion and influence we do have to talk about power why do people have power over others right mm-hmm. and here are some reasons why one is because of ranking right what, what ranking are you in in your company if you are the ceo well you're at a higher rank than someone else right there's the ranking there's the status another one is basically hmm do you have the information? If you know information that other people don't know, well, you have more power over them. Let's say it's a stock stock market, and you have some insider information that no one else knows. Well, you're the only person that knows, right now, right? Uh, but these types of power uh, are the, you know sometimes the most common. But what we want is when we think of influencers, like the social media term, it's not the, it's not the ranking. It's not that they have some special extra extra special knowledge that they try to um, sell, but it's who they are at the end of the day. Yes, we can say they are experts, but there are so many experts out there. We decide, hmm, that's the expert for me, is because of who they are as a as a person, and that has influence that's way more powerful than the information alone whatever we're teaching or the status that we're trying to get across. Uh, yeah, and we're this, talking about yeah leadership. Same
0: it's- reason why brands want celebrity endorsements. and uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. the association or why certain people in the uh, personal development industry like to have their photo taken with every famous person they meet and uh, use it in their promotional stuff because it's the association factor, even if that's the only time you've ever met. But yeah. 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 Make but, uh, but if you
1: think about these things, you know, like what you're saying, uh, it, it, it's also, you know, who you associate yourself with. Yeah. But the three things that I'm describing, right? Like like who you are as a person, the information, you can say your expertise, and then your ranking. If you really think about it in that order, that is one of the best orders to have. Who are you? Are you an expert? Do you have information? And then care about your, your ranking at the end of the day. Uh, but they all still revolved. Help each other.
0: Mm -hmm. How how you can build influence over other people? Yeah, that's that's interesting. How would how would you then apply that concept to working with a client?
1: So when we're working with clients, let's say you know we're trying to get better with our public speaking. Okay, let's say you have an audience in front of you. Now, let's say they don't like listening to you. Well, okay, even if they have a, a predetermined thought about you already, and you have a met- message to give them, yeah, you can you can still be persuasive in the moment. But you see where I'm going back to with being influential. It's like, they're going to say, hmm, who is this person? Are they an expert? Or do they just depend on their ranking because they're CEO, they think they can tell us what to do, right? Now they're looking at you. I mean, it's very small, but they're looking at you for a moment and be like, hmm, who is this person? Uh, so you can really think of, And I think that the the thing that we want to dive into today is more of the persuasion side, but for people who want to build their influence, think about it like the Wizard of Oz. Uh, And here's what I mean. Before the Wizard of Oz, oh, he's this big character, this big scary character that no one has seen, right? He He has a lot of credibility because it's word of mouth, but his credibility gets lost when people see that he's, the Wizard of Oz is this little guy that is behind this big screen. And we're like, hey, your credibility is lost. I mean, now is your, your actions worth more than your word. So if you want to keep on building your influence, you have to think about your credibility, right? Are people, when they talk about you, is that who you are? Are you living up to your standards? And are the words that you're saying matching your actions, if you keep doing these things over and over and over again, it's actually hard not to persuade people because, that, because people will be like, wow, that person practices what they preach. They, they stand for what they stand for. That's a, that's a person that I will look up to. Sure. Uh, and, when, and, when they, and when they have all of this, and when you get in front of your audience, that is the stuff that wins over. Your audience the things that you'll say it only contributes to the spice of that yeah so you could wrap that as integrity to a to a greater degree yeah yeah integrity the the, the values and you know it all goes back to that i mean it's hard these things are hard it's not easy these are one of the hardest things
0: yeah, it's interesting that um, I found in in my own journey, and I certainly find this with other people who I work with as well. That uh, you discover more of who you are the further the further you go through life. But certainly, when you start doing things like uh, public speaking, and when you start talking about yourself more, um, you uh, have to have a certain level level of vulnerability. And yeah. you can't just get up there and play a character. You know, I've done acting, I've done drama in, in the past. That was part of my university degree and it was great fun. But it's very different getting on a stage as a character or as a musical performer to getting up on a stage as yourself, which uh, which requires a, a level of vulnerability. Otherwise, it's just a, it is just an acting performance without that.
1: Yeah. And when you have been speaking, John, has that vulnerability always been there or
0: or no it takes time yeah it takes time it takes time to open open up a bit and to feel comfortable i guess and uh, to to realize what you what you can actually say to people and to understand that when you when you know how to put things the right way and to express yourself well to an audience that the so many of the things that your unique experiences even if the audience don't directly share them they will be able to relate to them and some people will directly relate to to those things as well. And you only really realize that by by sharing some of the deeper things. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And I want to ask, Have do you have any favorite speakers uh, in real life? In real life? Were there anyone that when they were speaking, you're like, wow, they're so good?
0: Yes, I'd say uh, one of my favorite speakers, um, because I did uh, – um, work with uh, in a training that he was working at a while back. So I got to him speak quite a few times. There's a guy called Les Brown. Maybe you've heard of Les Brown. Yeah. 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 Really funny speaker, really very, uh, very engaging, very heartfelt and hilarious as well. Really funny guy too. And uh, when I, when I first saw Les speak, I I thought that's very much the style of speaking that I want to have. It's very easy, but comfortable, humorous, but also, vulnerable and emotional and, and really heartfelt and and so les is one of those people that i really admired as a as a public speaker and uh, and got a lot from watching him
1: yeah and like like exactly what you're saying john it's like the vulnerability it takes time to even hone that skill of being vulnerable in front of an audience just like what i was saying earlier right when we're when we're, when we're actually playing the piano that's persuasion but the 10 years that they took to build to that performance. It's, it's the vo- vulnerability they took to take risk on the skill that they practice. So when we do talk about public speaking, yeah, someone might be a very good public speaker tomorrow or 10 years, but it's that time they took to keep on working on their craft that one day, you might, anyone might look at Les Brown now and they might say, oh, he's going to kill it. Not because he started yesterday, it's because he took time to really build that
0: skill up. Yeah, absolutely. How about yourself? Do you have any favorite public speakers?
1: My favorite speakers are actually some uh, people that host events like MCs. What I love about MCs are they make the boring engaging. Uh, It's like they're they're announcing a sponsor and they make it the most fun thing ever. Uh, And that's what I look for. It's like, how can they take something that's so mundane, like talking about the Wi-Fi password, but they make it so exciting and so engaging. Uh, they make the whole event come alive because they're excited for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I find I discover new and interesting speakers all the time. Uh, being part of Toastmasters International as well, and so uh, from from new to experienced speakers, I'm always surprised at what people can pull out of themselves when they when they're giving a, a presentation. And, uh, and I see that sometimes with my clients as well. And I love seeing that journey of going from uh, going from really scared initially to, to feeling a bit more confident and actually being able to comfortably share a story on the stage.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up Toastmasters. This is something that I've heard uh, from, from different public speaking trainers. Some of the best speakers that they have witnessed in person are actually not the most sometimes trained professionals. It's the people who became vulnerable at that time and they unleashed it at that time. Uh, it's, it's It's that moment that they can't recreate again. So that's why it makes that moment special.
0: Yeah, I think the the thing I, I love most about Toastmasters is it doesn't really teach you the technicalities that much of public speaking, uh, really only some of uh, the basics, but it does get you in the habit of practicing your your speaking and evaluating yourself and picking yourself up on things that just help you to clean up your performance and your language so so from that regards uh, and it also encourages creativity because you generally will work on different projects whereas when you see people who I I agree when you see people who've been to lots of presentation trainings and something that I did uh, several years of multiple presentations you learn lots of tips and tricks and Uh, what certain things mean or how to use the stage in certain ways. And you can certainly use all of them. But whilst you're learning them, um, things don't look very natural. They don't seem very natural. And, And so you don't really end up with quite the level of natural engagement that you might get from somebody just getting up who's untrained and giving a really heartfelt talk.
1: Yeah. But I do have to say, John, when people do want to be natural, they do have to practice the foundations to be natural because at the beginning, it will feel unnatural, just like learning how to play the piano or ballet to, to everyone or any, any kind of sport or anything. It does feel unnatural at the beginning to learn, let's say, how to play this chord, or it feels
0: very unnatural, unless they get so used to it, then it becomes natural. Yeah. yeah. and like many things that people take up as a, as a hobby or an interest, like musical instruments or learning a language, generally you're going to do that uh, by yourself or on an online course or with a private tutor. Um, not so often, or maybe in a group, but not so often you're going to do that where you're practicing that in front of a whole group of people on a regular basis, and that's your method for getting better at it. So public speaking is a bit exceptional in that regard, which I think why there's a, tends to be a lot more fear attached to it. But the same principles apply of, you know, whatever you start, you, you're gonna, you're not gonna be great at first. Nobody nobody starts yeah. off with mastery.
1: Yeah, yeah, no one starts off with mastery. There's a quote that I've heard, a master has failed more times than the beginner has even tried.
0: Yeah. I don't know who said that. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. The the, the guy I deal with, I work for, Harv he says every master was once a disaster, which I really like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it's, it. I'm going to use that. Every master was a disaster. It sums it up really well. Uh, and, it, and it's true, and uh, we, we, we all have we all have our journeys to improvement. But the the curve is usually a lot quicker than we think it is. It's it's nearly always the fear of what you think is going to go wrong or uh, what what could possibly happen it, It's the same as things like fear of flying, perhaps. Whereas you know, your your whole thing is visioning the plane crashing down. Whereas um, if you actually visioned uh, if you actually envision a safe landing and a comfortable journey, you're going to have a different experience similar kind of thing with the public speaking it's always the what are people going to think of me what if i dry up on the stage what if this goes wrong what if that goes wrong that's what's running through people's heads and generating the fear usually
1: yeah i I, I know exactly what you're talking about the fear part that is one of the harder things to to help people with because everyone they're stuck in my yoga teacher said when you're stuck in your head you're dead and when they're stuck in their heads, it's hard. But I wanna, um, there's this book I was reading. I wanna share this with you. Always and like book recommendations. Good habits, bad habits. And I found it's really interesting because it plays to the way we do things. Uh, the fear of public speaking, getting better as a speaker. Have you heard of the marshmallow test? I have,
0: yes. The Stanford marshmallow test, yes.
1: Yeah, so the marshmallow test was basically, hey, kid, sit in the room. Uh, if you don't eat this marshmallow in five minutes, you can have another one, you know, and they were, so what, one thing that the the study found out is that they were saying, you know, and this is how the, 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 our culture might agree with this. Self-control might be a little bit hard because at that moment, we're restricting our wants. But what they found out in that book, Good Habits, Bad Habits, the people that were actually successful, do you know what they were thinking about? They were were actually, no, no, here's the thing. They were not even thinking about restricting themselves. In their minds, it did not even occur to them that it was self-control because it wasn't even in their minds in the first place. So if they had to eat a marshmallow, uh eating the marshmallow let's say wasn't even a bad thing for them they were uh, they were probably thinking of hmm I want to be this one day therefore therefore eating the marshmallow is actually not very hard. Um, or let's say I, you want to go to bed at 10 p.m but it's super hard the people who are who don't even have that mind and they go to bed every night they don't have to actually deal with oh man it's 10 p.m I need to do more work they actually have a whole nother mindset so the restricting part, they never actually even had to deal with that. So what I'm saying is the people who are not scared of public speaking, they, of course, as we get better with public speaking, they actually, well, here's the thing. if You, you know how you cross the street? Mm-hmm. In your mind, are you thinking a car is going to hit me? No. No, it wasn't even in your mind in the first place. Therefore, you won't be scared about it, but we can be scared about it every single day because we unless you know we're stuck at home. But it's the same thing that's happening with public speaking. Most of the people who's confident, they weren't even thinking about it. It's not in their habits in the first place. And so they didn't even have to deal with that struggle because internally it wasn't there. And so the point of me saying that when it comes to becoming a better speaker or getting rid of your fear of public speaking, it's how do we deal back to our limiting beliefs? um, And are we just playing mind games about ourselves where we don't have to? Uh, And and it's getting people to realize that, hmm, is this something that I should even be thinking about? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So focused on the wrong thing or just not the right level of thinking at all?
1: Yeah, I had a, uh, as an example, I'll give an example that I uh, thought that my client had. He, same thing that happens to him in the boardroom is probably is ha- happened to him when he was young. He used to play in a guitar band back when he was a teenager, he used to be very good. And when people asked him, go to the front and play, he said, one of two things will happen. He said, when the lights were dim, he would do really good because he can focus on his music. But when the lights were on, he would look at people in the eyes and then he he would start thinking, what have I messed up? The same thing is happening to him in the boardroom. He would start thinking, hmm, what have I messed up? But here's the thing, when the lights were dim, when he was focusing on his music, the consequences were always still there. Yeah, he could have messed up, but he, he didn't even focus on what have I messed up. He focused on his music. Right. Um, That's down to certain triggers, though. Yeah, certain triggers. The the consequences are are always still there. How can we focus more on the things we need to focus on, and get into the habit of focus on the things that we're focusing on, instead of worrying about the things we don't have to, you know, worry about.
0: So, what would you do in that situation? Work on changing the triggers or the responses? Where would you start? Uh, My boxing instructor said, "Kit."
1: Did I know did I know that I was throwing a chicken arm punch because my elbow was going up? John, here's the thing. I did not know. He had to tell me. No. Okay. Now that I know every single time I throw a punch, he says, put it back in. So every single time I throw a punch, I know what I'm doing wrong, and therefore I fix it to what I want it to be. Some people don't know the saying in their minds. I think I made myself. That's the trigger for them. They they are not even aware. So the first part is, are you aware of what thought that you're saying over and over again? Let's say, let's say you want to go to bed at 10 p.m., but you don't. What do you say to yourself? Do you have maybe you say to yourself, I have more work to do. I have more work to do. Well, you've been saying that for week after week after week. If you are aware that you're saying that, well, it's like my chicken arm punch. Well, what do you want? to change it to, right? Maybe maybe it's, I have to go to, let's say it's 10 p.m. And, and, and the trigger is, I need to do more work. If you know you catch that, then you need to find something else to change it to. Maybe it's meditate. Every single time you know that thought is coming up, the action goes to, hmm, I think I need to do more work, but I'm just going to meditate. Or if you think I need to do more work, hmm, I'm going to drink a glass of water and shut off the Wi-Fi. Um, Or maybe it's changing, you know, slowly it's changing the thought. It's not, I have to do more work. It's if I go to sleep, I'll be more productive tomorrow. Um, But if you are not aware of it, so first you have to be aware of it. Second, you have to know what you want to change it to. It's actually very easy. Mm. Are you aware of it? What do you want to change it to?
0: So, um, good. One thing I wanted to, to come back to then in terms of creating influence and persuasion, you talked about a five-step process the other day. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yeah, when it comes to persuasion or crafting a good message, uh, the question is chicken or egg, which came first? Chicken or egg? Well, the question now is which comes first, your ideas or listening to the audience? what comes first step one find out about your audience what do they want what are they objecting why are they here in the first place uh but actually let's use an example john do you have to go into a meeting anytime soon or like
0: um, most uh, only online at the moment so uh but yes yeah, yeah. uh i have uh, some business networking meetings this week a toastmasters reunion Few things. Okay. Maybe it's a, but maybe it's
1: a, here's the thing. Now it's a one-on-one conversation, a group. But let's say it's Toastmasters, a group of people who wants to practice public speaking and the business professionals. Now, let's say you have to come up with the speech, okay? And your speech is you want to convince them to buy a better mic online, okay? To use online because everyone's working at home. You need to you need to buy a good mic. So that's your idea, right? You need to buy a good mic. So what I was talking about earlier, should you, should you try to build out your argument or should you find out about them first? Okay? The question is, find out about where they are, about how they would feel about buying a mic. So let's talk about it. If you were really trying to convince your Toastmaster friends to buy a mic, what kind of
0: objections do you think they might have? Or where are they? Hmm. Some of them would be on price, probably. Um, because we have, especially as we have quite a few students in the club, and what else that maybe they don't need it, and because they don't really do speaking that requires a microphone, other than on the online meetings right now. So then maybe those are probably the most likely likely objectives.
1: Okay, good, let's say even those two, right? Pricing and they may not need it because they're not using it, they can just have headphones, okay? So if we never talk about those things and they're always thinking about it, then they will always be thinking about it. It's kind of me saying to my parents, hey, dad, you need to eat organic food because organic food is so healthy. If I keep on talking about how healthy it is, but all he cares about is, well, son, how do we know it's really organic food that's going into the stores? They can all lie about that. It could be they just put the label on it. How do we know it's actually organic? Okay? Now, that, if, if that's what he cares about, and I all I keep talking about is super healthy, super healthy, but I never address his points at the end of the day, he won't even be listening to me. So even if you start out with, hmm, Toastmaster friends, I know that we're all working at home, and getting a mic for you, maybe you don't even use it that much because you're not on it 24-7, right? Now, if you're, if you're directly talking to them, that's why their ears will perk up. So if you know a lot more about them, therefore, step one goes into step two. Now you can brainstorm and have a lot more ideas, right? Even if you know, okay, pricing is one for them. They may not use it a lot. You know how many more answers and content that you'll have before you even started digging? Okay. So listen to them. Try to find out as much as they can. You know, what are the objections? Why are they here? Um, What do they want out from this meeting? what would make them happy after this meeting, then you can brainstorm. Second step, what are the main ideas you want to get across? Less than five, okay? Less than five, uh, the the less the better. Mm. Um, It's kind of like a grocery list. If you have a a list of 10 things, you're gonna forget. Um, If you have one main point, one main main point to get across that's the best but less than five Um, so let's say uh, again the points are so easy it should be less than two sentences the main these are the main ideas okay so that means after they leave the toastmaster speech they want to get a mic i'll use a different example iphone okay iphone is the best phone because it looks good uh, there's no, there's no extra buttons, and everyone else is using it. Okay, boom. If you have those three ideas, uh, these three ideas make the whole central theme of iPhone as the best phone. But why? Because it looks good, it's simple, and everyone else is using it. Those are your main ideas. Okay, so you listen to your audience, find out your brainstorm your ideas, which takes. No time at all. You just have to write it out in a sentence. Now, when it comes to persuasion, how do you make these ideas sticky, engaging, memorable, and how do you get them to say yes to this? This is when it comes to step three. How can you use persuasive languaging to make these ideas sticky? Okay, so let's say we're going back to... Am I making sense so far, John? Any, any? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: No, I understand. I mean, similar to uh, we've all talked about so far, is a bit similar to general marketing principles of uh, getting in the head of your audience, being able to kind of speak in a language they understand, uh, pre-conceiving potential objections, and uh, understanding their desires, aspirations, um, their uh, their problems, and uh, their pain as much as possible. Uh, that's going to give you a, a much clearer way to, way to communicate. That's just as true in, uh, in persuasion from a, a stage platform as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's bring this back to the mic example, okay? Uh, can you give me one idea you want to get across if you're getting them to buy a mic? What's one idea?
0: Okay, um, voice improvement on voice
1: quality. Okay. Improvement on voice quality. Okay, now let's make this a little bit stickier now. Why is it
0: important to them? Because they, if they sound better, they'll, they'll be more influential. Okay,
1: good, good. So your main ideas should be important to your audience. When I first asked, what's one idea you want to get across? Well, the mics improve your voice quality. Okay, yeah, that's good, right? But again, to refine that idea, Buying a mic will improve your voice quality so you can be more influential when you're speaking on camera or in your meetings or when you're doing a presentation when you're working from home, okay? Now they're thinking, oh, wow, yeah. When you when you make it, imp- your ideas, again, should be important to your audience, not important to you, but to your audience. So just by saying that, it's actually not sticky enough, right? Buying a mic will help you become more influential to your, your, your future meetings. The question now is, you have an idea. How do you get people to accept this idea? This is where it goes down to, I mean, this is basically basic argument. How can you use data? How can you use stories? How can you use similes? How can you use contrast? How can you use, um, uh, how can you motivate them and share a, a testimonial, okay? All of these things are built on the idea. Most of the time you just share stories or testimonials or experiences just to share them. But if you have no idea to back that up on, it won't be memorable. So John, can I ask you to share an experience? Here's a contrast, okay? Someone who doesn't have a mic and someone who has a mic. Do you have an experience of someone who doesn't have a mic and someone that has a mic that helps people improve their voice quality and become more influential.
0: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the online Toastmasters meetings would probably be a good example. In fact, we just had a a competition meeting uh, the weekend for my my club or my my district. And um, some of the people had really bad audio because maybe they didn't have, uh, I think they were just using their inbuilt microphones. And and some people had much better microphone quality because they purchased a better microphone. Some of them could be heard. Some of them couldn't be heard very well. Some of them sounded really crystal clear and some people sounded very distorted.
1: Yeah, boom, that's it, right? What you did was you had an idea and you used an example to try to make the idea sticky at the end of the day, right? So now is, hmm, if you're really trying to persuade someone, will will that be enough to do it? That's what we're talking about. Can we actually get people to buy a microphone only with that? Depending on where the audience is. Right? Now, if you if you really think of the question why and how, do we need to use more? Do we need to use other tactics? Now we're down to the tactics. Maybe you can then, after you said that, you can then ask everyone, what what's how do you what what do you think about having a mic right now? Do you think it's important in your life? You know. Once they give you more answers or questions, you will have more answers
0: yourself. Yeah, well right now, they might think it's important. (laughs) Everyone's seeing stuff online, right?
1: Yeah, right now. So when we're talking about persuasion, I just want to back this up. First, we're saying, if we're using this as a mic example, that they want to be influential or successful. Okay, we're already thinking that, but is that true? We don't know, okay? The audience is saying they want to be more influential. So therefore, That we know this about them so listen to your audience what's the main ideas we want to get across how can we make it sticky okay fourth you want to make this an interaction and dive deeper into what they're thinking because from now is we're just assuming now it's how can we speak off the cuff and get you can see before was kind of like the pre-planning phase Now we have to be really good at the during phase and really listen to the audience again and know how to respond in the moment because if you have everything prepared but
0: it's not what they're thinking about, you might just be talking to a wall. So Um, you're actually talking about interacting with the audience here or or just picking up on um, what's going on with the audience? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying if you're so good you're
1: you able to adapt in the moment and adjust to where they are at.
0: Yeah. Okay. And are how are you, you going to get that sense of where they're at? You can ask. You can
1: ask questions. You can uh, get them to raise their hands. You can you can see if they're nodding or not. If if they are looking at you really closely. If they are engaged, that might say something. If they're looking at their phones. If I'm going to say this. If everyone's butts are hurting, don't keep on going with your presentation, stop. Some some presenters, they know everyone's butts are hurting, but they keep going on. Why? Because they have something prepared and they don't want to go off course. They have to be able to, because if you feel like your butt is hurting, everyone's butts are hurting
0: from sitting too long. Yeah. yeah. Well, one useful thing that I, I always remember from my early days in presentation skills training, was uh, that you do have to have some kind of state change on a regular basis it doesn't always need to be massive but it does need to be probably about every 7 or 8 minutes otherwise people start to drift off in a long presentation uh, in toastmasters that's not so much of an issue because most of the presentations are only about 7 minutes at tops but uh, but yeah in, in a longer press talk presentation um, it could be that you in partway through you get people to stand up and have a stretch and i i've done that before in uh, in bigger presentations and it's amazing how many people don't do it but people always feel better when when you do it and and you can actually get a bit more engagement then and then bring them back to it and the whole energy changes and uh, engagement stays up so you know, there's there's stuff you can do that can Um, get them back, especially if you see that they're switching to uh, looking at the mobile phones or uh, not really paying attention or engaging.
1: Yeah, and that's a skill by itself, knowing how to be in the moment. Uh, That is part of public speaking, a good public speaking and good persuasion. Because again, persuasion is happening in the moment, not what you planned, it's what's in the moment.
0: One of the one of the things i I will often teach and I certainly teach it to my clients and, and I um, teach it to anyone in public speaking is that you have to consider the emotional states that you want to generate in your audience, and so it's not not necessarily just considering where they are but depending on the kind of presentation but maybe even not to some degree, what are the most useful emotional states that you want them to be in. And then to actually put yourself in those states, because the best way to help them get there is to lead them there through your own state. Uh, which means, you know, obviously, if you come in with too high, super high energy, and you're too big and uh, up there, there's going to be a huge chasm between you and your audience. So it's not good. You still want to have good energy, but not to a level that is like people just going to just blow my brain. Uh, that's too much. Uh, somewhere where they can actually reach to because your energy is going to change theirs as well. It will change the whole tone of the room, the feel of it, the engagement level of it, the amount of fun people are having. and That comes from, from you and the energy you put yourself in, not just the words you say.
1: Well, John, let me ask you this. Let's say you want to get into their heads and you want to know about their energy level. What if someone says, I, well, how do I know how they would feel? What if they don't know how they feel? Uh, what would you suggest?
0: So there are some things you can do as a presenter, like reading body language to a degree. So although body language, you can't take it as being always read, that everything, one thing means this and another thing means that. There are things like um, somebody who's got their arms and legs crossed is is a bit closed off and probably a bit disengaged. Staring at the mobile phone is a very clear indication they're disengaged. Um, you can usually t- get a pretty clear idea from people's faces as to whether they're interested or enjoying a presentation or if they look bored. So I mean it's physical cues uh, initially that you can that you can pick up on. In those sorts of situations, it could be hard to ask questions because you might just sort of uh, hear uh, crickets and tumbleweed in the background because no one's going to say anything. But, um, but yeah, I, w- I would look for initially the physical cues and say, uh, well, from what I see or from what I'm sensing here, this is the energy I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. That's great. That's great. As a, as a presenter, there's a, have you ever come across this idea of the presenter state? the sort of state. expanded awareness where you're not in uh, foveal vision you're, you're in peripheral vision so yeah. you're kind of seeing the, the whole stage when you're when you're in peripheral vision on a stage you're not directly looking at everyone anyone particular but you're kind of looking at everyone and you start to notice these movements as well and and you, you're um when you 're not too stressed out about what you 're talking about trying to remember stuff, you can actually start to notice a bit what 's going on in the audience and pick up on cues from it that way and it 's surprising how much you can pick up on just from that one thing whereas if you if you 're not in peripheral, you may end up just fixing on individuals and uh, that ha- also has the risk of uh, to some degree excluding the people who who you're not actually focusing on
1: yeah no yeah I think it 's uh crucial to be to have that much experience to be able to get into that. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's the hardest thing about public speaking is you either enjoy it, you want to get better at it, or you dread it. So I hope the people who who are dreading it, that you can get to the next level of trying to enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it must have been, it, it I think for me it took uh, it took a while to get to that to that level of just enjoying it and having fun with it and now I do. I, I love getting up on stage. I have a great time. I feel very comfortable with it. There are still some times when I'm giving a talk or presentation where I get a little bit of butterflies, but I know how to channel that into my a performance energy now and uh, yeah, it's all a bit different. But um I think uh, one thing I realized—if uh, uh, if, uh, maybe this is an interesting thing to share—I don't know—when um, I did my very first Toastmasters competition, and uh, I, I was really ready for it, and thought I had a great talk, and uh, I easily won my club level, and I was really excited to go through to the to the next level. And uh, the the competition and in, in the next level was was a, I was a bit more well matched and uh, so it was a bit more serious and but i still expected to win and then i didn't and it was really really disappointing and it got me to go and uh, take a look you know I, i'm one of those people i like to I, i'll pour over things and analyze the heck out of it and so I, I went home thinking i think why was i really expecting to win and why didn't i what what was i missing what was the mismatch there and it actually put me on a path to deciding that it would be a good idea to work with a public speaking coach, which is what I started to do. That yeah. I thought, well, I've never done actually directly work one-on-one with a with a coach for a one one specific person, so I decided to do that, and then discovered this whole other level of public speaking that I hadn't come across before from somebody who specifically coached um public speaking skills to a to a very high level and was very experienced and accomplished in in the field that okay i i know i'm a good public speaker but there was a, a whole level that i wasn't even aware of wow um how long ago was this oh not that long ago i'm talking maybe a few years wow
1: that's great and look at you now
0: yeah yeah you know the the growth the growth journey is interesting and just- just from things i learned from from working with that coach my my own level of public speaking shot up in a in a very short space of time to a much higher level and and even now i'm realizing you know I keep finding more things there's there's more levels that you just get to as you as you grow. There's always still something new to learn or someone new to learn from uh, in new and different ways. Uh, and don't want anyone to get put off by that. It's like, well, you're never going to learn everything. No one's ever going to learn everything. The the basics can be achieved in a very uh, small space of time. That it's the mastery that is the lifetime journey.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, well, John, I'm so glad you looked into a coach and and developing as a as a speaker right uh, Me too. i have to be on, i have to be honest with you i actually i should seek out a public speaking coach i've never had i had friends and i was just doing it so so much um i kind of feel like an imposter sometimes i'm like how can i teach public speaking when i never got a public speaking coach myself <laughs>
0: It, it does. Uh, I can I can recommend it because it does it does make a difference. And uh, learning from uh, I had never considered learning from people who had uh, been like Toastmasters World ch- pub, you know, public speaking world champions and things like that. Uh, that they have a, a lot to teach, and uh, that they you know, people who make their business doing public speaking or after dinner speaking or things like that. They they have a lot to teach you. There's, there's many different aspects to public speaking depending on. There the may be bits that you want to master and bits that you don't really care about, but uh, but the bits that you do, there there are people who can help you help you get there quicker for sure. Like you, I had never really thought, you know, Toastmasters enough. I get a lot of feedback on a regular basis from all different levels of speakers, um, but actually working one on one with the coach and getting specific feedback, guidance, uh, instruction on the things that make a a bigger difference that was one of the things that inspired me to move my own coaching much more into working with public speaking and presentation skills and influence and persuasion the things that i'm passionate about and the reason for starting this podcast doing this podcast that some listeners will know those started off from a toastmasters project and has just kind of blossomed from there
1: oh wow that's good that's all great
0: to hear yeah yeah, so I, I highly recommend it. So, uh, let's, uh, let's come back to, uh, were, we still, were we still working through your, your process? Was there still some more we didn't get to there?
1: Yeah, I would say after this, we can wrap up the, the podcast too. Basically, sure. the last step is to, um, it's a small reflection process. Uh, usually people don't reflect and it's the reflection process that makes everything better. It's just like a product. People have to reflect on how the product is, not just build the product and then keep on building it. So a quick reflection process that I give for every event that you go to, give yourself a number, one to 10, 10 being the best. And then write, if you gave yourself a six, why did you give yourself a six? So if you do this for every event throughout the month or year, well, you better be getting higher and higher numbers. That's it. You'll give yourself a lot of answers. Like maybe after a conversation, I'm giving myself a five point five or five because I've got to ask questions. Whatever. So you can just use that and then again give yourself higher numbers. But why would you get to a higher number?
0: I really like that. I like the principle of self-evaluation. You know, I use uh, a productivity journal every day and every week, and I rate myself each day on uh, on, on my level of uh, how I feel about what I've achieved and have those daily reviews uh, and doing it with something as specific as this. Yeah, give give yourself some regular check-ins, not just what other people feed you back, but how you felt about it and what you think. Great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Very nice. Yeah. Okay, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you today. And I'm sure there's so many more things we could talk about. But of course, uh, time does limit us somewhat, but it has been fascinating. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you have too.
1: Yeah, John, I just want to say thank you and uh, to your audience, But
0: Thank you for having me. Some of my audience are going to want to know how they can find out more about you and how to get in touch with you. So could you share that with them? And maybe one final thought that you'd like to leave everyone with.
1: Yeah, I would say one final thought is... Uh, keep on listening to your podcast, John, because you're giving some good content out. Uh, When it comes to more effective speaking, it's kind of like riding a bicycle. Don't read too much about, this is the opposite of what the things we're doing, but don't read too much about public speaking. Don't listen to too many things. You just have to find opportunities. Get on the bike, go ride the bike, learn how to fall, get back up again, discover your own way, then of course, listen to a few podcasts, along John's podcast along the way, but don't go overwhelming on too much information. That's going to drown you out. And um, if, if you would love to connect, um, connect with me on LinkedIn, I really do hope that we connect on LinkedIn.
0: I'm really big there. You can also go to com. Right. Well, we'll put all the links for how to connect with you into the description so people can find them there. Kit, just want to say thank you so much. I love the uh, cool text. Just go and do it. Don't spend all your time thinking about it and get started and then work on it as you go. That's a much better philosophy for moving things forward. I love it. Thank you so much for your time today. Your information has been great. I really enjoyed the conversation. Let's wrap things up there, but thank you. Okay, Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure you like and subscribe to stay updated for future episodes. If you think you'd make a great guest on the Loki podcast, or you know someone who would, or you have any feedback that might help us to improve the show in the future, please email me directly, john at presentinfluence.com, or visit the Present Influence website or our LinkedIn, Facebook or Twitter accounts. We look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you there and seeing you again on a future episode of the Loki podcast.